This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Manchester City are in the midst of an impressive winning run, but would a victory against Bournemouth on Saturday be the cherry on top? It's Friday, the 3rd of November. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, Andrew. Um, you've been a busy man. You've been living the high life. You've been looking. I've been seeing the Instagram stories. I've been seeing the pictures. It's been looking good. Uh, welcome back to the show. Let the listeners know what you've been doing the last sort of two weeks or so. Um, whilst your voice has been absent from from our from our ears and microphones and all the other places that you would yeah. listen from. I uh, just took a, a trip out to the Western United States with my my lovely wife to celebrate kind of our one year anniversary. So spent some time in LA, uh, Palm Springs, which is, in my opinion, um, at least this time of year, maybe paradise on earth. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, went to Vegas, um, which is the opposite. Like it's a great place to visit, <laughs> but definitely should never be described as paradise for anyone with uh any sense of uh, dignity and respect for themselves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so was able to catch all the matches um, while I was traveling. Sometimes it was just listening to the feed or listening to the audio, but not watching. But, um, you know, things have been good, but I'm glad to kind of be uh, able to hop back on to record and also uh, know it's going to be a lot easier to watch matches uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you back. Um, what what have you made of City's recent run then? Because I think you sort of you started this uh, expedition, so to speak, sort of just after the international break when everything was sort of the house was burning down. It was the it was the fire mm-hmm. um, meme with a kid looking behind the fire and City with the fire and, and whatnot. It looked like the world was going to collapse in on himself. Um, but obviously, recent weeks have been pretty good for City. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. 
what we should expect to happen when Rodri and John Stones return to the team and mm. um, Pep has had more time to work with this current iteration of City and to think through what's going to happen. I mean, I, I think the Brighton win was important um, because they're mm. a really, really great team. Um, yes, they have been up and down in terms of what results they get, but even the games they have lost, they have looked really good in and they are a, a really great team. Um, I frankly think the only thing you city fans should take from beating United is that we got to beat United because um, <laughs> I'm quite confident a, um, you know, league one team could beat United um, in the current state that they're in, but it was, it's still, I think the, the way city played and, the fact we beat them 3-0 without getting out of second gear, I think shows that it is a return to the type of form we had at the end of last season. And so mm-hmm. that should be comforting for City fans as we go into what I think is one of the more important runs of fixtures that we're going to have this season. Yeah, I think one of my, I said it in the reaction podcast, which is still available to listen, of course, from Monday. And I said something along the lines of, you know, as good as the, the win was, as good as the performance was, it is Manchester United. They had Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire starting in the back line. They had, you know, multiple players who were just trying to get sent off instead of trying to play football. Uh, but I, I guess the one thing that impressed me the most from that performance was the fact that I think for the first time in the Premier League, at least this season, City have been able to do it for two consecutive halves because the Brighton first yeah. half was blistering. It was incredible. It was amazing. Jeremy Doku put James Milner pretty much into an early retirement. Well, not early. He's 37, but you get what I mean. Whereas the second half, it, it sort of unraveled a little bit and City looked shaky. And of course, Brighton are going to do that. They've got great players. Matoma, uh, Matoma had a, a wonderful game. However, for City in that game at Old Trafford, and it is still a derby game, it's always going to be difficult. I think the first sort of five, ten minutes were, were just showed exactly that. But they maintained that performance for the 90 minutes, and that was promising because I don't think we've seen that so far yeah. this season. Um, you, you mentioned John Stones and you mentioned Rodri, and, and we will sort of put this into into context with the Bournemouth fixture, but do you think it's a little bit of a worry that City only seems to be able to play well when those players are in the team, or at least the most complete performances? And it's, it's kind of like a little paradox because obviously they're going to have complete performances with them there because of the best players you take them out, it's going to be there's going to be a drop-off, but is there a little bit of a worry that maybe that we're, we're too over-reliant on those midfield gems? I, I don't think it's a problem in the sense that it's one thing to say that City can only play well with them in the team, which I think is not true. We have seen mm. City have good performances with just Rodri in the team um, this season. We haven't really had a chance because of his injuries to see if that's the case with Stone just having stones in the team. But part of that is Pep needs to find ways to... I, I don't think our best 11, which I argue I think that the team that played on Sunday is our best 11. And if I, I actually don't think it's debatable. I know um, earlier this week on Tuesday's episode, we talked about, you know, are there... Mm. How many of those players that played in the Derby are quote-unquote undroppable? I think they actually for a big match, everyone who started that match yeah, right now is undroppable. But the problem is you the system we use to maximize those players doesn't work unless you have Rodri and Stone. So I do mm-hmm. think there is a thought of Pep needs to find ways that we can rotate and it is playing differently. I, we aren't there yet, but look, that's we're only 10 matches in the season. That's not surprising that we don't necessarily have a plan B because our plan A didn't appear until 
February of last year after the World Cup, you know, mm-hmm. with the Stones role. So we've got plenty of time to do that. We're, you know, right amongst the leaders. Like, I'm, I'm not really worried about it. Um, you know, if we were to lose Roger or Stones for the rest of the season, I do think that's a different question. So, you know, we have to hope that doesn't happen. But any team, if they were going to lose their best defensive midfielder, let alone the best defensive midfielder in the world right now, and, you know, Stones, who plays a role that I don't think anyone else in world football can play. Like, of course, mm. if we were to lose them, it is a different story. But I'm not particularly worried from kind of a moving forward perspective because I think, one, they should be available for most of the big matches. I do think the biggest thing is that Pep needs to get that 11 ready to go for all of the big matches. And so rotating with that in mind um, throughout November, where we have several big matches, I think is going to be key. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a worry, um, or at least in my opinion, it's not necessarily a worry that City only seems to be able to play up to that level when John Stones and Roger in the team, because, you know, nine times out of ten, they should be available, barring a nasty injury. It's probably more of like a, a, a dark cloud lingering over the horizon, yeah. and it's it's up to City sort of just to, to try and fend that off as much as possible, which obviously comes with rotation. And um, long-time listeners, for, for the, the usual people who tune into our previous shows, this is going to be sort of back to front, because we're going to speak about the team selection first. I feel like it probably plays more of a part than the opponent. Um, that's not to sort of dismiss Bournemouth. They will, I'm sure, bring a, a tough test, but I, I think this is one of the games we're looking at now in this run of fixtures either side of this international break where it's maybe a chance to get some of those fringe players into the team um so obviously a big part of it was the defense that was made a little bit easier this is against uh, against um united by the way a lot of that made it easy obviously akanji got sent off so it narrowed it down okay uh, he kind of feels like the forgotten man this season doesn't he? he was he was crucial to sit his treble win he was you know I think I remember back to the game at the Allianz Arena against Bayern Munich when he went down injured and there were gasps, there were sighs in the terraces online. There was, you know, the collective head loss, which usually happens when a player goes down injured. But he's just sort of been brushed aside and it it feels like not a lot's been made of it just because of how good Guardiola's been been doing. Um, I assume he probably comes back in for this one, right? I mean, you say that, but he's played eight matches in the Premier League this season. Um, Mm, True. You know, Guardiola has also played eight. Um, I think mm. this is just, I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily been a forgotten man. It's just that we, we have five starting level center backs mm. in the squad. Um, and so Pep's going to rotate them through and they all provide different um, skill sets. I do think, you know, Ake um, and Gavardiol both are capable of playing that left center back in kind of a back three role, but they do take different approaches to it. Um, and to me, it made sense where you know that you are likely going to want to go at the left side of United's defense, that you want Gavardiol there, who I think mm. is better at pinging passes around. Um, and also, you know, he is better at getting forward um, than United. And let's be honest, um, didn't have much to worry about from uh, United's right wing. Um, so <laughs> it's, the, it's funny he caused he caused more problems for himself yes. than the United wingers caused for him during the game. Uh, yeah, arguably Gavardiol <laughs> played right wing for United better than United's <laughs> yeah. right wingers did. Um, but yeah. I think I mean one, I think Ake comes back in because you know it makes sense to rest Gavardiol. Um, it's not like we have the biggest midweek fixture against young boys, mm. but like you still have to think about that and rotate. And then we have Chelsea after after that, so you know. This is a kind of you have to think through the next three games of who do you want to be available to play for Chelsea and be good to go. 
Um, but I, I think Ake comes in. I would bet Akanji also comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially, um, maybe not. It, I guess it depends on, does he think Ruben Diaz needs a rest? Um, I think just since stones is kind of back, he probably does want him to give the minutes, but won't need him against young boys. So I think, you know, the center backs being Ake stones and one of Diaz Akanji makes sense to me. And then, um, you know, if I, Kyle Walker can somehow just play every game and I don't get out, <laughs> he's a freak, but I mean, it, he could get rotated. He may not. I don't know. But I I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't worry about the defense um, at all. I mean, frankly, I don't worry. I, I don't think there's a lineup Pep could put out against Bournemouth that I would panic about. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you and I could even make it into the team. And, and I think most people would be okay with that. Um, another player who's obviously captured the imagination this season, uh, Jeremy Doku. I'm, I'm going to do I'm going to do what I, I usually, the opposite of what I usually do at this point in a week and, and say, I think I want Jeremy Doku to start over Jack Grealish. Not because Jack Grealish wasn't man of the match worthy against Manchester United. I thought he was incredible. Maybe not start over him. Perhaps they could both play in the same team as we saw against Young Boys. But I, I, I think this is a game where Jeremy Doku's brought in and it suits him just to have a run at a defender. They're, they're going to sit back Bournemouth. They're going to have as many people behind the ball as possible. This is this is what he was brought in for, wasn't it? Against those low blocks. Jack Grealish, Guardiola locked down that left-hand side against United. Bernardo Silva overlap as well. I, as I'm saying it aloud, I can actually see Jack Grealish playing in that team alongside Doku. Moreover, I just think this is a game Doku should be starting. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great match to give Doku more time in the team that is as risk-free of a hit as kind of, you know, a match you can be that, you know, it's not to disrespect, um, you know, Bournemouth at all, but we're talking about a, a team that um, is second in the amount of XG they've conceded at uh, 21.9 expected goals conceded across their 10 matches. So like basically they have conceded 2.2 XG per match which is mm-hmm. the exact amount of XG that City have created per match of 2.2. <laughs> um, so defense, like, they're going to try to sit in bunker, but, like, that's – they do that a fair bit. And Lewis Cook, their um, kind of starting defensive mid, is still suspended um, after mm-hmm. he got a red card against Wolves. So they're even more up against it. So, yeah, you put Doku on. I mean, again, I any combination of our wingers I think makes sense. Um, I think probably Nunesh gets a – you know, mm-hmm. another look here. Um, Cause again, I think getting these guys more minutes and betting them into the team is only going to help us further down the road. And this is a relatively free hit of a match for them to, to do that in. Um, you know, I'm always an advocate for resting Holland at certain points because uh, he, and, and as you and uh, Lars and the pods are this week, you know, discussed that Holland had a history of some injury concerns before he got to city, but he's been managed well. He's playing really well. It's great. I wouldn't hate if he got a rest and this was an Alvarez, you know, starting at the nine mm-hmm. moment. But also, again, if Holland wants to play and that's how we keep him happy, uh, you could probably haul him off at the half because mm-hmm. we should hopefully yeah. be up several. The, yeah, probably. I, I reckon Harlan plays this game. I reckon he's, his chance of a rest probably comes midweek against Young Boys because we're, what, nine from yeah. nine points in that group. Probably, depending on results, could secure it with a win. Might even be able to secure qualification, at least, with a draw. So I reckon maybe we see him start on the bench against Young Boys. Um, and 
obviously this game is is this three points on the line in the Premier League season, whereas uh, obviously it isn't as as consequential in the Champions League. Um, quickly then, before we go to the break, what what do you expect the midfield to look like? Because it's been a little bit of sort of like every week seems to be a different combination. I, I agree. I think Nunes will come back in. I don't think he had the best game against young boys away from home, but caveat being, as we said all of last week, it was you know a pretty grim place to go, uh, plastic pitch and all. Rodri, I mean, I, I feel like we've had this conversation 50 times in the last year. Oh, Rodri has to get rest. Oh, Rodri can't play. Oh, Rodri isn't going to be able to do this game this weekend. And then suddenly you look at the end of the season, he's played 50 matches. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm not prepared to say Rodri's not going to play anymore because he, he usually does. I think he plays this one just because he has not. Um, he hasn't played. In the, I mean, other than the United match, he you know was out for several league mm. games, and so I I don't think he's necessarily physically in need of a, a rest at this point. I think he is another player you look at and you rotate against young boys. You probably don't need him at home against them, and then he's you know, ready to go for uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Leipzig is kind of that, you know, next three to go. But mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe Pep says, you know, oh, uh, I'll rest him here and young boys so that he's, you know, truly ready to go. But I think that's probably a little bit too long of a time yeah, without him yeah. playing. So, yeah, I think I think he probably plays this one and we see a more of a rotated squad at home against young boys than we do in Bournemouth. Interesting one because obviously the last home game that he played, Stefan Ortega started. Do you think there's any chance perhaps that Edison drops the bench again? I thought he was again wonderful against United, but without the Carabao Cup games, you know, there's not going to be any cup matches until the end or sorry, the start of January, barring, you know, hopefully two Champions League dead rubbers if City get the group wrapped up. I don't know if he does, but it's, he sort of planted that seed in, in our brains with that, uh, with that Bryant decision that it might happen again further down the line. I could see him starting one of the next two, either Young Boys yeah. or Bournemouth. I'm not sure which. Um, I it would be harsh, I think, after the you know performance he had against United to mm. drop Eddie. But I mean, it would be harsh to drop Jack Grealish. Um, and I know goalkeeping is different. Um, and I the expression in the uh, in America about national the National Football League is that if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, and it feels like that's a little bit of the mm. case with goalkeepers of like, I don't get the whole David Raya Ramsdale thing where Arteta was like, Oh, we, I don't have a number one. It's like, you have to have a number one. Um, yeah. but I think the fact that everyone knows that is for now Ederson, um, but Ortega is capable of challenging him and without the Carabao cup, I do think giving him one of the next two won't upset Ederson or like cause a drop in performance, but um, I think is just like a good kind of squad mentality and morale thing to do. Yeah, obviously Ortega this week comments about him saying that he came to City to be the number one and, and that maybe felt a little thinly veiled, I don't know, but um, it's in his mind. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that one plays out. Does Edison be the man who moves on sort of next 18 months or so? It'll be, it'll be one to watch. Um, listeners, that'll do for part one. Join us after this quick short break as we look ahead, continue our look ahead to the Bournemouth game and finish the week with a little bit of trivia. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you haven't already, please do go back on your feed and listen to the last two episodes. I was joined, joined by sorry, Lars Sivertsen to discuss Haaland. He's got a new book coming out about our Norwegian superstar striker. Um, Andrew, you listened to it. Did I do a good job? Was it all, was it all good? You did phenomenal. Um, it you know it was oh, two phew. brilliant brilliant journalists discussing. Um, <laughs> I think a, a genuinely interesting person, um, and yeah. I, I I like the fact that this is a you know um, non authorized biography because I think that that actually will provide a more of an insight into who the people around Holland think that he is rather than who and and this is Holland clearly does not have a carefully curated. Uh, media persona, um, the way that I think some superstars <laughs> mm-hmm. do. Um, you know, there have, you know, Alfie got thrown out of a match for, uh, you know, fighting with opposition <laughs> fans. So clearly they're not the, you know, most worried about always ensuring it's nothing but positive PR. Um, so I don't know that it would necessarily warp a biography, mm-hmm. but I, I want to hear what people who know him say, but not after it has been approved by, you know, five layers of lawyers and agents and, press officers um, mm. because I think that gives you a more honest look and I um, downloaded you know the audiobook and um, I'm ready to start uh, tearing through it on some upcoming uh, you know drives and plane rides and whatnot. Yes, certainly. And I mean, Lars's voice, listeners, if you haven't already, any audiobook, I think he could read yes. the the catalogue, shopping catalogue, the phone book, anything. He's got an absolutely wonderful voice. And it was an absolute pleasure to listen to and talk to. So please do go back and give it a go if you haven't already. Um, back to Saturday's match then, Andrew, and, and possibly the easiest. We have got some trivia later on in this episode, but uh, possibly the easiest question you'll get all day. City have played Bournemouth six times at home in the Premier League. Would you hazard a guess as to how many they've won? I'm going to take a wild guess. It's six from six. It's absolutely six from six. And, and here are some of the score lines. 2015 was 5-1. 2016 was 4-0. 2017, 4-0. 2018, 3-1. A tight game in 2020, 2-1. And then obviously last year, 4-0. Um, I can't even ima- I can't remember a draw or loss of any recent I don't know if memory. there's been a loss. I don't know if there's been a loss. Perhaps, I'm just looking now, in fact, no, I don't think there has been a draw in Premier League. Oh, uh, oh no, the last the last time City didn't win this fixture, home or away, came in 1999, February 1999 in League One. So, uh, listeners, that sort of gives you a little bit of context as to what's coming up this week. And, and you're the worst person to ask this question to because the answer is always the same. But is there any chance City don't win this game on Saturday? There is a... Uh... In mathematical chance that <laughs> City do not win this game, but it is at a uh, level of occurrence that um, I think you would need to simulate this match occurring um, a few hundred times for uh, that statistical chance to rise to the level of a result actually going against City. Um, now, again, these matches are not played on spreadsheets, and mm. you know who knows what could happen. Player could get you know 
we could have a defender sent off um, for a dogzo when Jeremy Doku gives the ball away. And then we, you know, we give up the penalty and mm. it's down one nil and they, we've got 10 men and they backs against the wall and we lose one nil or we draw one, one. Um, but other than a freak occurrence that changes the overall kind of positioning of the teams in the match, it is, it is hard to make a case for there being anything but a city result here. And frankly, I think, I mean, Bournemouth will be going in, I think, likely trying to ensure their loss is 2-0 or 3-0 and not 5-0, mm. 6-0, 7-0, given their positioning in the table of being just outside. Um, and in, in my opinion, they are the weakest team other than the three that came up this year. So from their perspective, ensuring their goal differential stays in a good place is probably the best strategy for this match. Yeah, certainly. It's getting to a point where it's looking like three from four at the bottom of the Premier League table. Three of them currently in the bottom three who came up last season. I think there's possibly a point to be made about the riches of the Premier League and the continuing chasm between the first tier and the second tier and the third tier etc etc but that's for another podcast um for this podcast however i will mention listeners if you are looking for a little bit of uh, encouragement i have had philip billing in my fantasy team since day one and having told everybody that he will be the bargain of the fpl season it took him 10 games to get his first goal and obviously that came against burnley um how important do you think then from a city from a city having a comfortable afternoon how important do you think it was Bournemouth getting that win at home against Burnley. I reckon um, Iriola would have been sacked. The Bournemouth manager would have been sacked had it not gone to plan against Burnley, had they lost that game. We're then looking at a new manager bounce. Weirdly, and, and funnily enough, Bournemouth had a midweek game, City didn't. So sort of positions reversed a little bit there. But it, it you know, it feels like Bournemouth are probably going to come here and like you say, they'll, I, I think if you offered it the manager beforehand, they'd take 3 0 and everyone shakes hands and gets on with the, the seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that they would, if you offered them a 2-0 or 3-0 loss, they would say, absolutely, we'll take it. Um, you know, they rotated a little bit for their match against Liverpool, but there are players in there that I think are amongst some of their best. I mean, including um, a guy that a couple of years ago I was um, talking as a possible winger forward option for City to sign and Justin Clivert. I still think that mm. he is a player who has a lot of skill sets and, um, abilities and just has not quite hit the level that he could. And, and frankly, I think part of that is that he has a lot of expectations on him given his last name. Um, but there's, <laughs> yeah. I, they, they have the ability to, I think, you know, score that free goal, but I don't think this is a match where particularly coming off the league cup match, they are going to try to go all out to, you know, get a result here because I think mm. trying to get, the only way they can try to get a draw is just by defending. Cause I think if they tried to score a goal to get that draw, that would be very, very bad for them to do against the city away from home. Yes. Being said though, I'm just looking at the fixtures now and, and three of their four next games, including the one against city, are obviously city. Then they play Newcastle. They've got Sheffield United at Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. So away from home. And then they've got Aston Villa. So, we're looking at three of the next four games coming against teams that are in the top six. And, and, and that obviously adds a little bit of pressure onto the manager because, granted, they could stay up by just beating Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United twice over for the next sort of 
six months. That's the sort of yeah. season it's looking like it's going to be. But there is maybe a little bit of added pressure to get um, some extra points on the board against those teams. And, and as always is the case, it's, a, it's a, a cliche, but these matches for these teams are free hits. I think if we went back and we looked at the time City had dropped points without any having any stats um, in front of me at the Etihad Stadium, I'd say maybe 70% of City's dropped points in the last five seasons have come against teams at the start of it were going, oh yes, City are going to win this 3-0. You know, typically speaking, in those big matches, Tottenham, um, Liverpool, Arsenal, City get a result. Man United, maybe not so much under Ole, but in recent years they have. So there is perhaps, and this is my pessimism once again shining through, a little reason to be worried. Although I don't even think I would predict a City defeat. Touch wood. I, there you go. I, listen, I, stick, yeah. stick your money on Bournemouth. Yeah, I, I think I, I get your point. Um, mm. I do think we are in a different era of the Etihad. Um, it has become such a fortress. And mm-hmm. I just, if you're Bournemouth, yes, your next several matches are against um, kind of current top six teams. Um, however, I would, um, you know, their match against Newcastle is at home, which I think gives you a better chance to try to mm. get up for that one. Additionally, that is a Newcastle team that will be coming off playing Arsenal and playing Borussia Dortmund. Um, and, mm. you know, they had Arsenal or Newcastle has Arsenal at home, but they are traveling away to Germany. So to me, like, that's the the one that I think if you're Ariola, that's the one you target. Um, mm. And I think there you could make a better case for Arsenal and Newcastle, who have both had results this season where Bournemouth can say, look, if we get one goal, we can we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the Wolves match this season, I would argue that City City's results and performances don't indicate that this is a team where if you get, I mean, we've gone down a, a goal or had, you know, been pinned back by teams this season. And we just said, okay, fine. We'll just go score more. Um, and despite everyone saying Holland was in a bad run of form, he's not in a bad run of form. And so I, I just mm-hmm. think we're, we're going to be fine at the end of the day. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think most people would be able to sit here and, and confidently say that Bournemouth are going to pose enough problems to take something away from City. However, as always, like I just said, it can happen. Um, one of them, sort of, you, you analyse what's happened. There's no point in really sort of saying, oh, this is how we expect the game to go because we, we kind of know how it's going to go. But like you say, mitigating circumstances, a red card, an injury, anything like that, a, a freak occurrence where City hit the post seven times and, and Bournemouth score their only shot on target, you know, is possible, however, unlikely. It's also probably um, a good game to throw the uh, the ten pound emotional hedge uh, bet on because the, <laughs> yeah. the return's probably pretty pretty good uh, mm, for uh, a yeah. Bournemouth victory here. However, don't come crying to us if it doesn't come in and you've just wasted your Christmas money. Yeah. Um, right, enough of that nonsense. We're going to get onto the serious stuff now because we're going to finish the 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 day. We're going to finish the week with a little bit of trivia. And I'm not actually warned you on this, so if it's gone completely blind. I'm going to ask you, Andrew. So no cheating. I'm going to ask you all 20 clubs in the Premier League. Can you name me their nicknames? Because obviously, Bournemouth, the Cherries, is a little bit of an interesting one. Listeners, feel free to play at home. I'm going to set a timer. So if you want to pause this show now, get a stopwatch up, see how how long it takes you to name all 20. Are you Um, giving me the, the names of the teams? Or can I pull up a list so I can see them all? Like not so, just the the Premier League table essentially, so yeah. I can see what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go A to Z. Arsenal through okay. Wolves. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a team's name. I would like you to tell me their nickname if possible. Um, are we ready? Yeah. 
Lovely stuff. The time has started. So Arsenal. Gunners. Aston Villa. stumbling already yeah that's that's the one i was going through and i didn't think of villa uh like the lions or uh, yeah i don't know I'll give you another go you don't know the villains the vil- um, oh. bournemouth yeah cherries it's disgusting. yes as we know uh brentford the bees yep brighton and hove albion uh the gulls the seagulls i'll give it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the seagulls um burnley I've got to make sure I've got them right now. I'm just going yeah. off memory. Burnley. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with the. I don't know the angry old men. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the clarets. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chelsea. The Blues, right? Yes. Yeah. Crystal Palace. The Eagles. Yep. Uh, Everton. Uh God, they're Evertonians, but what's... Is it Evertonians? I don't know. That's... No, not quite. Um, I don't know if this will be sort of in American um, linguistic. Do you know? No, I don't... I, the Toffees. Oh, oh the to- yes, it is the Toffees. Yeah, that just yeah. was out of my brain. Uh, Fulham? Their nickname here is Full America. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if... I don't know Fulham's. Um, the wait, the like Pilgrims is in my head, but that's not right. Like I don't know. We're going with no. Pilgrims. Pilgrims is Boston United. I think they're in the okay. National League North. Um, Fulham is the Cottagers, which wait, makes okay, reference yeah. to their, the the Cottage. Cottage. Um, Liverpool. The Scousers. bastards doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I, yeah, I have no idea. It's, it's very simple. It's a little bit like Chelsea's. The Reds. Oh yeah, yes. the Reds. Yeah, yeah. very boring. Uh, Luton Town, much more exciting. The Hatters. Yes, share that with Stockport County, of course. Manchester City. Uh, I mean the the citizens. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, also known as the Blues. Uh, yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. Red Devils. Yeah, that's a terrible, pathetic one. Newcastle United. The Tune Tunes Tune. Tune. Oh, maybe not. No, uh, another bird. Uh, the tune it kind of kind of is, but like the like it's tune army, name. but yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, I don't know the other bird. Uh black and white bird. Stork? I don't know. <laughs> no, magpie. Magpie, um, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nottingham Forest. This is a hilarious one. This is my favourite for all the wrong reasons. I would I be very surprised if you get this. Yeah, I don't know this. Like my mind immediately goes to like, are they like the like the Robin, the Merry Men of <laughs> Nottingham Forest. Yeah. It would probably be a better shout. I, I think they do go by the name, the, like the Jerry Baldy Reds or something like that. But their official nickname, I believe, is the Tricky Trees. I mean, that's actually pretty is... solid, but I've never they've never <laughs> yeah. used that on American broadcast. I know, for good reason too. Um, Sheffield United. The Blades. Yeah, one of the easiest ones there. Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I mean. Spurs. Yeah. yeah, I think they do have Lily Whites as well, but Spurs obviously is, is acceptable. Uh, West Ham United. The Hammers. Yeah, and finally then, Wolverhampton Wanderers. The Wolves. 
Yeah, do you know what? I've just gone into that. I don't know if they actually have one. I think Wolves would, yeah, absolutely be, but I don't know. That's more of like the second mention. Um, Wanderers, maybe. Um, I've given you a tip for Wolves anyway. So yeah. you've gone for uh, three minutes, 45 seconds. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I'll take that as a passing grade. Yeah. No, sorry, 15. 15. Oh. So I'll tell you what. 75%. Solid effort. Um, funny, kind of funny story, actually, on nicknames. One of the one of pals, one of the best pals to go to the, the City games, we were speaking, I think it was before the Brighton game, and we were speaking about nicknames, and obviously Brighton's being Seagulls, and when we got speaking about Brighton's rivalry with Crystal Palace, who are named the Eagles, and, and I'm not going to name him for, for obvious reasons, but he thought that they would they, those two teams had a derby or a rivalry because it was the Seagulls versus the Eagles, which... <laughs> <laughs> which, which, as you can imagine, brought a laugh to our face. And even better than that, he tried to... Um, oh, he, I gave his gender away there, dear me. Uh, he tried to rationalise it by saying that it's fine because he didn't. He, he only thought that when he was 18 years old, which is like four years ago and an adult. So, um, yeah. If, if any of you didn't... Uh, if you, any of you didn't know why Crystal Palace and uh, Brighton have a rivalry, it is not because it is Seagulls versus Eagles. But, Andrew... Um, very solid effort. Well done. Hear me out, though. They should rename that Darby and market it and call it the Angry Birds Darby and <laughs> get, get some of that sweet, sweet mobile game cash flowing in those yeah. two clubs. Yeah, famously Angry Birds, obviously a shirt sponsor at Everton, which is um, the Gladys Street end is a, is a different sort of Angry Bird at times. Anyway, uh, that'll do <laughs> for today's show, Andrew. Thank you very much. It's been lo- a lot of fun. Enjoy your weekend. Cheers. And listeners, thank you very much once again. Signposting you to the two-part special with Lars Sivertson, Erling Haaland, um, the story behind one of the greatest strikers, if you haven't already. Until next time then, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully supporting or recording another Manchester City win reaction. Until then, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.